and welcome to Sacred Stories, a podcast by the Office for Christian Leadership, Vocation, and Retreats in Campus Ministry at the University of Dayton. Sacred Stories is hosted by Reverend Dustin Pickett, Elizabeth Montgomery, Megan Crowley, Rachel Bell, and myself, Mike Bennett. Join us every other week as a member of the UD community shares how their story intersects with a reading from a sacred text and encourages us to explore that same intersection in our own life. For this episode, we will have Gabriel Gaius-Balde, senior mechanical engineer major with a minor in Africana Studies from Columbus, Ohio. Gabriel serves as president of BATU, or Black Action Through Unity, vice president of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and I am proud to call him both my mentee and fraternity brother. Gabriel, thank you for being with us. Peace and love, family. Um, wellness amongst everybody. My name is Gabriel Gaius Biode. Uh, to reiterate, I'm a student at the University of Dayton, majoring in mechanical engineering and minoring in Africana studies. This is my senior year. I will be graduating May 2021, so I'll, I am pretty pretty excited about that. My heritage re- uh, resides in Yoruba, Nigeria. Uh, I was born in Alabama, raised in Columbus, Ohio. So a bit about a bit of my background there. And today I'll be reading a text from one of my favorite books by Dr. Joy DeGruy, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing. Uh, I highly recommend uh, looking into Dr. Joy DeGruy's approach to families, healing, parenting, um, which goes into this quote that I believe is not only sacred uh, and profound, I believe that it highlights a necessity that we as black people, as a black society globally, or not globally, I'll say specifically in America, often overlook when we view our approach to solving problems and view our approach towards tranquility. Um, And it's the prologue of how she starts her book, one of the most powerful starts to a book that that grappled me. And I'll go ahead and get into it. Kassirin Ingera. And how are the children? Among the most accomplished and fabled tribes in Africa, no tribe was considered to have warriors more fearsome or more intelligent than the mighty Maasai. It is perhaps surprising then to learn the traditional greeting that passed between Maasai warriors, Kassirin and Gera. One would always say to another, it means and how are the children? It is still the traditional greeting among the Maasai, acknowledging the high value that the Maasai always place on children's well-being. Even warriors with no children of their own would give the traditional answer, all the children are well, meaning that peace and safety prevail. The priorities of protecting the young and the powerless are in place. That Maasai society has not forgotten its reason for being. Its proper functions and responsibilities, all the children are well, means that life is good. It means that the daily struggles of existence, even among a poor people, do not preclude proper caring 
for its young. I wonder how it might affect our consciousness of our own children's welfare if in our culture we took to greeting each other with this same daily question, and how are the children? I wonder if we heard that question and passed it along to each other a dozen times a day, if it would begin to make a difference in the reality of how children are thought of or cared for in this country. I wonder if we could truly say without any hesitation that children are well. Yes, all the children are well. Excerpt from a speech by the Reverend Dr. Patrick T. O'Neill, First Parish Unitarian Universalist Church, Framington, Massachusetts. I believe that this passage is beautifully written, amazing start to her book as she goes into her next chapter, So How Are the Children? She dives into that psychology um, as well as circumstantial and, uh, uh, that the circumstantial condition and behavior. I believe that this is important because we often ignore the children. And that's the root of many of our problems. Of course, we have a white supremacist structure that is the battle that we need to fight, but often we do not think about the children or ask how are the children are anymore. When that, I believe, is the root, the root causality. It's often about the adults. It's about the men. It's about the women. It's about these different identities as adults that we face, which is very much so real and very much so shouldn't be ignored because it tells us about our, sociolog our, sociolog our sociological behavior, our psychological behavior, and how systematic structures have embedded, uh, I would say, toxic traits, for lack of better terms, that are self-destructive and counterproductive. However, when you forget the children, you forget the growth and you overlook the future. And oftentimes children are put in conditions from adults that even fight these movements where they are powerless, ignored and abused. And we underestimate the intelligence of children, but we also underestimate their internalization of trauma as it affects their growth. And you might not see it physically, but if they were able to wear their emotional scars, you would be looking at a very damaged individual. So I think that this quote should redirect us in terms of our focus as a people that we put our movement behind, the children. I was at a riot over, not a riot, pardon my language, I was at a peaceful protest actually over the summer and there were two, uh, two adults uh, among myself. Uh, there were two, uh, there was a black man and a black woman and they were arguing. They were arguing about uh, this being a peaceful protest. Um, and the lady was um, forward, um, forward pro-riot. Uh, let's, let's tear this up, which is completely understandable. But seeing those two argue in the positions of power and responsibility that they had, I looked in front of both of them and I looked down and I saw a small, probably about five to seven-year-old boy. I'd say even four to six-year-old boy. And I, I had to stop them and I said, look, look in front of you. Look in front of you. One, if we tear this up and the police do get violent and the boy is hurt, whose responsibility is that? See, we often forget about the children. And 
in our midst of arguing and being combative, we don't know how we often ignore how that encourages the people that are looking up to us, seeing two people that should be loving each other, arguing. Not to say circumstances are invalid or one should hold their tongue or protect another person's um, environment or mind in jeopardy of their own peace. But responsibility is something that I believe we have abandoned um, and need to redefine and come back to anew. Because the children carry the burden once we leave and sometimes carry the burden sooner than that because we can't handle it ourselves and they'll have to live after us, God willing. So I think that when it comes to redefining our movements, redefining our structure and our psychology, much therapy needs to be done within us as a community. Much needs to be done within us as a community. I won't say that statement as if it is light, but I will ask to think about that question that starts off this fantastic book and how are the children, how are they really? There's broken homes that many children are coming from. Some overcome struggle, but how are they really? Was everything perfect? Was it a perfect story that was just motivational from start to finish with a happy ending? The reality is it's often not. Not to say parents aren't perfect or imperfect, but we need to look at things a little clearer. We need to look at how we represent our children and how we care for them because they're often not cared for and ignored when it comes to our movements as black people. And they are essential to us moving forward as black people. So I'd leave that um, because I believe that's a, that's a sacred text, even if it's not in religious scripture. And uh, I wanted to share that. I wanted to share that because it resonates with me and my passion to liberate all black people from this white supremacist structure that has globally affected black society. And the children are not exempt from that liberation. They are, matter of fact, critical and key and essential to that approach. Because if we ignore them, we often can ruin their lives, which is detrimental to us and our future of blackness. Uh, I guess that's what I'll leave, I'll leave you with. Um, I appreciate this opportunity. Once again, this is thought, uh, this is thought opinion, as well as something that I truly trust and believe in, willing to have a conversation about it if there's anybody um, that may disagree or may agree. Um, I'm hoping that I can provide some perspective, as well as hope that it doesn't just stop at the conversation because much more action needs to be done. So, thank you. Let us pray. This is an excerpt from On the Pulse of the Morning by Maya Angelou. The horizon leans forward offering you space to place new steps of change. Here, on the pulse of this fine day, you may have the courage to look up and out upon me, the rock, the river, the tree, your country. No less to Midas than the mendicant, 
no less to you now than the mastodon, mastodon then. Here on the pulse of this new day, you may have the grace to look up and out and into your sister's eyes, into your brother's face, your country, and simply say, very simply, with hope, good morning. Hey there, Dayton Flyers. Looking to get involved this October? There are plenty of events that are coming up. Real Dayton is taking place on October 9th and 10th. Explore what it means to be a citizen and learn about the city of Dayton by registering on Campus Ministries' website. As You Are, a weekly small group that accepts you, as you are, meets Thursdays at 4, both on Zoom and in person. Registration to attend is on 1850. Prayers of the Heart meets virtually on October 15th. The Awaken Retreat, which will focus on anti-racism, is on October 17th and 18th. You can register for Awaken at tinyurl.com slash registerudretreats. And finally, UDIM worship continues to take place on Sundays at 4 p.m. You can tune in to each service live on Campus Ministries' YouTube page. We can't wait to see you at all these events. Go Flyers! Thanks for listening to Sacred Stories, produced by Campus Ministry at the University of Dayton. Our theme music is by Scott Paplow. Campus Minister for Liturgical Music. We hope this and future episodes help inspire you to explore the sacred experiences and intersections with your own life journey. If there are ways we can support and accompany you in your journey of faith, please reach out to us. You can learn more about Campus Ministry on our website, udayton.edu ministry, our Instagram, which is at udcampusministry.com, and our Facebook. Check out our videos on our Campus Ministry YouTube channel and our upcoming events for undergraduate students on 1850. Peace and God bless. Mm -hmm.